Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Words to Live By series, which is taken from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Let's take our Bibles this morning. Let's go to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 7. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, it's totally fine. Most of the verses will be on the screen. Matthew chapter 7 this morning, and <coughs> excuse me, have you ever, uh, those of you that have, have children or have been around kids, you ever notice how loud kids can be? Man, some of you are pulling your earplugs out right now because you forgot when you left the house this morning, but man, uh, I, I, I'm amazed at how loud kids can be, especially at how loud they can be when they're around each other. Um, I, I did a message a few months ago about kids speaking over each other and always wanting to be heard. But uh, it's so true that kids, they just have this way of just being noisy and, and talking. And uh, there's just a lot that could be said about it. But the other day I was in our house and I was in the kitchen and I was just making a cup of coffee. And in the other room, I just heard what seemed to me to be just yelling. That's what it seemed. It seemed like I was just hearing, you know, yelling at each other. And I popped my head into the the front room and there was two of our kids and our niece, Savannah, who just moved in. And they they were all sitting in there and they weren't yelling at each other, but they were yelling and they were telling each other about their dreams. So one was like, and then I dreamed that, and, and that's how loud they were talking. And I walked in and I was like, dude, you guys are so loud. And they were like, no, we're not. I was like, yes, you are. I said, you're, you're just speaking, but no one's listening. You're just loud, but you're not even paying attention to each other. And I looked at him and I said, you're in the same room. You can quiet down. I was like, can you hear me right now? They're going, Yeah. I was like, then why do you have to talk like this? You know, and, and making that. And they were like, all right, I leave the room. You know what happens? They just started right back up again, you know? And it's not like they, they weren't, you know, they weren't in trouble or anything. I was just like, man, you guys are so loud. How do you even know what to listen to? Like, you're just all talking at once, you know? Somebody, give somebody else a turn. The truth is we have all been around people, whether it's kids or adults, We've all been around people who just talk a lot. Some of you are like, yeah, we sit under your preaching each week. <laughs> all right, fair. But there's a, we're, we're around people who, who just talk a lot. And the, the fact of the matter is this, that if you've been paying attention to our culture lately, it seems like the voices of culture are just trying to talk over each other. It seems like there's a lot of words that are being put into us. And the question then becomes, just like those kids sitting in there trying to, trying to argue, or, or not even argue, just trying to talk and, and be heard, the question is, which one do I listen to? You know, if you have multiple kids, then you know when it's dinner time, they're like, dad, mom, dad, mom, you know, and going back and forth. And you're like, I don't know which child to listen to. That's how our approach is sometimes with the voices of culture. Because there's a lot screaming for your attention and my attention, isn't there? There's a lot trying to scream into your life of, hey, this should be important. This should be your cause. I'm thinking right now of all of the different voices 
that scream into your life and my life. We hear people calling for you to pick up their issue, pick up their cause. We hear constantly of where we should spend our time or how we should uh, use our money. We're told all of the time, uh, whether it's through news or sports or social media, there is so many voices out there screaming, pay attention to me. We're told what we should think and not think. We're told how we should vote and not vote. We're told where we should go and not go. The difficulty we have, though, is discovering how do you cut through all of the voices and determine whose words to listen to? Who can we trust? Over the course of the next few weeks, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about because we're coming to a brand new series that we've entitled Words to Live By. Because the reality is that among all of the voices and all of the words out there, there is only one voice and one person whose words offer health, they offer purpose, they offer peace, they offer joy, they offer help, they offer forgiveness, because they're called the words of life. And for this series in particular, we're going to go to what, what is titled the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount was a message preached by Jesus Christ over 2,000 years ago. I've been there to the area of Mount of Beatitudes, and this would be a place where Jesus would call unto him just some followers, and he began to teach them some things. But at the very end of this message, this Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave, he gives an illustration. And the illustration is this. It's a very simple thought. If you will build upon my words, I promise you will stand sure through time. If you don't build upon my words, I will liken you unto a fool who has built his house upon the sand. And when the storm comes, it's going to fall, and great is the fall of it. This is where we're going to start this morning, Matthew chapter 7 looking at the words of Christ as he said, build upon my words. I invite you, if you would, to stand with me just out of respect to the word of God and really to give you an opportunity to stretch your legs before I preach for the next hour and a half. You're laughing. Some of you aren't laughing because you know it's true. I'm just kidding. We're going to go here this morning, Matthew chapter 7. I want to begin reading in verse number 24 of Matthew 7 where Jesus said this. Therefore, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him, I will compare him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, he shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. The rain descended, and the floods came, and the wind blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Jesus is finishing up this Sermon on the Mount. It's, just a, it's the longest recorded message that we have from Christ in one time, 
In this message, we're going to learn over the course of the next few weeks a number of things that Jesus gave, but at the end of it, he lays out just a very simple principle. Build, my li- build uh, your life upon my words, you'll find success and stability. Don't build your life upon my words, and it's going to be a great fall. I don't know about you, but I would like to be in that first group. And so this morning, I want to invite you to learn why we can build upon the words of God. There's a lot of voices screaming for your attention today. Some of them are noble causes. Some of them are right directions. But we need to understand that the only voice, the only words that can offer us real hope for every day are the words of Jesus. And so today we're going to learn how can we look at his words and how can they be the words that I live by. Let's pray. We'll get right into the message. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you would take a moment just in the quietness of your own heart, would you ask God to speak into you today? You can pray something simple again. God, please speak into my life. And then make a commitment. God, if you speak to me, I'm listening to you. Dear Lord, we come before you and we again thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the time of singing this morning and worship. And Lord, we just want to come and we want to ask you that you would speak into us. Lord, I pray that today that every single person that's here would make the decision that this week we're going to build our lives on your word. Understanding that it's not a one-time choice, but an everyday decision. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd speak into us, help us to make that decision. And, Lord, specifically today, I pray that if there's someone here that does not know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, I pray that today would be the day they put their faith and their trust in you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for what you're going to do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. As we start this morning, I want to introduce you to two buildings. You'll probably recognize the very first building because it's called the Leaning Tower of... Pizza. That's right. The Leaning Tower of Pisa, this Leaning Tower of Pisa, it's a structure that uh, it was started, it started being built in 1173, but it wasn't finished until 1372. It was over 200 years in building the Leaning Tower of Pisa. This, uh, This structure, it's not really known for its height, but it's known for the fact that it's leaning. That's why it's known. People have speculated that it was built to lean, but the fact is it wasn't. It wasn't supposed to lean. The reason it's leaning is because when it was started, it was built upon unstable subsoil, or in our terms, sand. And really the only reason it's standing is because of weights that have been placed on the back side of it to keep it from falling. It actually stands 13 to 18 feet from where it should be if it stood up straight. And the, only the weights are holding it, and they say that at any time, the Leaning Tower of Pisa could go. I hope you don't have a vacation plan there soon. But if you do, you know, more power to you. Leaning Tower of Pisa, it's not stable. It's leaning. Why? Because of the foundation. The foundation isn't strong. Foundation is sand. The second building I want to tell you is the tallest building in the world right now. The tallest building in the world, the Burj Khalifa in Dubai. 
It's more than 2,700 2, feet tall, over a half a mile. It has 160 floors. It's twice as tall as the Empire State Building in New York City. And it's home to the world's fastest elevator that travels 40 miles per hour. I just want to go there to go on the elevator. Like, I wonder if your feet come off when you press go down, you know? But the secret to the stability of this building and why they could build it so tall, the secret is because of the, this massive building has an amazing underground construction. Before construction began on the rise up part of it, workers spent a year digging and pouring a massive foundation that supports the building. Listen to the foundation. The foundation contains 58,900 cubic yards of concrete weighing more than 110,000 tons. The building, it's safe. The building stands tall, it is firm, and the reason is because it stands on a solid foundation, a secure foundation. The difference of the two buildings, it's called foundation. You talk to any builder, any person in construction, they will tell you that foundation matters. Not only does foundation matter in building, but foundation matters in your life. You see, what you build your life upon is going to determine the direction of where your life goes. I'm going to say it again. What you build your life upon will determine the direction of where your life goes. Forgive me, I've got a cough. Microphone, but it was there. If you and I have a poor foundation, our life isn't going to go where God wants it to go. Our life, we're not going to have what God desires for us to have in this life. And I'm not talking about possession. I'm talking about uh, peace and joy and, and the, the characteristics that God wants to bring and build into our lives. And so we need to know this morning that what we build upon, it truly matters. And so today we're going to look just for the next few moments and discover what does it mean? What does it mean to live by his word or build your life upon his word? I want us to see this morning that in order for us to build our life upon his words, we must first hear his words. If you're going to build upon the word of God, upon the words of Jesus, you got to be willing to listen to Jesus. Notice verse 24. Notice how Jesus started. Verse number 24, the Sermon on the Mount, he's ending and here's what he says, therefore. Therefore, the therefore, if you've been in church for any length of time, you know the phrase, uh, you see a therefore, you look back and see what it's there for. Why is it there? Because it's connecting a previous statement to the statement that was just given. The therefore here is him saying, hey, I've given you all of this information. I've given you a ton of things to think about. Now, because of this, let me tell you this thing. Whoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man. But I want you to notice where Jesus starts. He says, whoever heareth these sayings of mine. You see, this morning, you can never build upon the word of God if you are not hearing or giving audience to the word of God. Before you and I could ever even entertain the idea of living by his words, we must first give audience to his words. We've all spoken to somebody that didn't want to hear what we had to say. We've all done that. Maybe you've actually had the person who literally went, la, 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 not listening, la, 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 la. Yeah, 
Some of you did that to your siblings, didn't you? Some of you did that to your parents. I'm just kidding. Uh, you know what? If you think about this, we've all been in those conversations where we're talking with somebody they don't want to listen or we don't want to listen. I was, uh, the other day, I was studying and, and I was at a, at a coffee shop here in town and just randomly, randomly, um, a lady who I've never seen before, she just walked right in and, and she just started talking to me. And, and so I engaged in conversation. I was like, oh, how are you? You know, and <clears throat> And unfortunately, the conversation turned from, uh, you know, just small talk to her saying to me, my life is horrible. She said, I'm just a loser. She said, I'm a, I'm a loser and I, I don't deserve anything and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get sick and I'm just going to die someday. And, and she just starts talking super negative. And if you know me, I'm like, not negative a lot, some days. But I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, man, how can I cheer this lady up? And so she's standing there and I'm sitting at my computer and I just looked at her. I said, I'm, I'm sorry you feel that way. I said, I really am. I was like, you're, you're not a loser. I said, as a matter of fact, God says you're not a loser. I said, God loves you and God has a plan with you. And I start trying to talk about the Lord and immediately she was like, no, he doesn't. I was like, yes, he does. She goes, no, he doesn't. I don't give. And she began just to curse. And she was like, I don't even care what you say about God. And literally, she was like, I don't want to hear anything you have to say. And she just turned and just walked away. And I, now listen, that's a heartbreaking situation. I'm like, man, something happened in her life to cause her to have that animosity towards the Lord. But I literally just said, well, God loves you. And she just went off. You know what? There's a, there's a huge difference in a lot of believers and a lot of people in their approach to God because some of us, while we look at maybe a situation with that lady and we say, I'd never respond that way to somebody. But some of, some of us, we respond that way to God. You see, God's tried to speak into your life at one time in your life and there's been a time where you go, la, 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 la. And God's trying to speak to you about, about maybe something taking place in your life. And he's trying to maybe use his word or use somebody else to be an influence into your life. But you're not giving audience to him. Can I just tell you this morning that you and I, we can have maybe the, the outlook of that lady. Oh, we may not uh, go out, uh, storm out with cursing, but we might just be that one that says, no, I don't want to hear anything that God has to say. Listen this morning, if you are going to be a person who builds your life upon God, if you want to live by his words, you must first be willing to hear his words. You've got to first be willing to give God permission to speak into your life. You see, too many people have an attitude that refuses to hear. But we have to understand that if, I, if I'm going to hear God, I'm giving him permission. I'm inviting him. I'm, I'm simply saying, Lord, I want you to speak into me. That's what hearing his word is. It happens by inviting his word into our life, whether it's through reading it or listening to it. The fact is that Jesus, time and time again, he said things like this. He said, if any man hears, have ears to hear, let him hear. Hey, if you can listen, God's saying, Sit up and listen. Hearing the word of Jesus, hearing the words of Christ, it's a conscious decision made by the listener. Hearing them, it means that I'm not just listening, but I'm listening 
to understand. I'm listening with an open heart. I'm listening with an open mind. Hearing, it doesn't just happen. It actually comes through desire. I hear because I want to hear. I desire to hear. You know, the psalmist in Psalm 19, a great portion of scripture, he, he loved the word of God so much that he said this. He said, more to be desired are they, the word of God, than gold. Yea, than much fine gold and sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. His spirit was, man, I want the word. I want God to be put into my life. There's a lot of voices screaming for your attention today. But there's only one voice that can cause you to be firm, to have stability and security in this life. There's only one voice that can give you hope in the midst of hopelessness. There's only one voice that can give you faith amongst people of fear. There's only one voice that can provide you comfort in your times of storm. There's only one voice that can give you direction when you are at a loss of where to turn. But you are never going to build upon that voice. You are never going to live by his words unless you're first giving permission for his words to be spoken into your life. Listening with an open mind and an open heart, allowing his word to be actively put into your life. You see, often one of the reasons that we don't hear his word is because we're filled up on so many other things that crowd out his word. We're like the kids trying to figure out who do I listen to, whose dream do I figure, you know, whose dream do I listen to? And there's so much noise in our life that it crowds out God. And can I tell you this morning that if I'm gonna live by his words, And build upon them, I must first hear his words. We will never live by his words if we are not first listening to them. If I'm going to build on them, I've got to hear his words. Number two, if I'm going to build on them, I've got to apply his words. I've got to apply them. We've all been around people who know maybe what to do, but don't do it. We've We've all been that person. We know what we should do, but we just... Don't do it. I mean, you ever notice there's a lot of folks, they know what decision needs to be made, but they just don't make it. Maybe it's the person who knows uh, they need to change what they eat in order to have a better health, but they don't do it. Or it's the student who knows what work needs to be done in order to, you know, like pass the class, but they choose not to do the work. Uh, Maybe it's the couple who knows what needs to perhaps change in their marriage to, to make their home better, but they just don't follow through with it. In life... We can often be at the place where we know what we're supposed to do, but we fail to apply what we know. I was having a conversation with a friend the other day, and we were sitting there just discussing this simple thought, that in life, there's a lot of people who know what to do, but don't follow through with it. Know what uh, decisions to make, but don't follow through with it. This can happen in the life of a Christian. Or the life of somebody who wants to follow after Jesus. You see, the word of God, it says this, Matthew 7, 24, Jesus, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. Man, there's one thing to hear, it's another to apply. It's another to do, it's another to follow through with. Think about this, the person who lives by the word of God, who builds their life upon the word of God, they've gotta make the decision to implement or to employ the truths that they're receiving. I know a lot of people who know God's word, but don't apply it. I know a lot of people who could quote scripture, 
but really don't know what it says or what it means. But here's the thought today that often in our lives, we hear it, but we don't know how to apply it. You ever been there? You ever read the Bible and thought, man, that's a really good thought. What in the world does it mean? (laughs) How does this apply to me? Listen, I, I preach every week and I pastor a church. I still am that way. All the time, I'm reading a verse and I'm like, man, I'm totally confused. Uh, this, this, I don't know how do I apply this. You know, one of the reasons sometimes we fail to apply God's word is because we don't want to seek help in applying his word into our lives. We don't want to look things up. We don't want to figure out what it means. We don't want to figure out how can I apply this. I want you to listen to what James said, the half-brother of Jesus. He said this. Listen. Look on the screen if you want. He said, but be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You've probably heard this illustration or this thought before, but how crazy would it be to get up in the morning, go into your bathroom, look in the mirror, and, and see a lot of things that need to change? You know, maybe you're like my youngest son, Micah. When Micah gets up in the morning, his hair honestly looks like he stuck his finger in a socket. It is like all over the place. And there have been times where we're like leaving the house, maybe to come to church or do something else, and he's walking out. And I'm like, dude, not only is your hair crazy, but you have, everybody here, if you know Micah, you make comments about his shoes. Either A, he doesn't have them on, or B, they don't match. Now, he's 11. He's not three, you know? And so the other day we're leaving the house and I was like, Micah, you can't wear two, shoe, two separate shoes. He takes his shoe off, and his sock, it's not a toe sock like where your toes are supposed to stick out, but his toes were out. Like his sock wasn't even covering his foot. I was like, dude, and you don't, and your shorts are dirty, and at least do your hair, man. And his hair's like sticking up. He's like, but dad, it's like cool. Whoever defined cool for you is lying. Like, that is not cool. And, of course, Micah, he's so lighthearted. He's just like, oh, okay, you know, and he'll go back and come out and do his hair. I'm like, your shoes still don't match, but we got to go. Let's just get in the car, you know. We got on vacation totally off the subject. has nothing to do with my message, but now I'm talking about Micah. We went on vacation one time. We got to Oregon. Oregon. And I said, all right, everybody get your shoes on. We're going to do a you know, uh, restroom stop. And Micah goes, uh, Dad? Yeah, he goes, uh, I don't have my shoes. <laughs> what do you mean you don't have your shoes? He's like, I left them at home. I'm like, dude, we're going on a two-week trip. How do you forget shoes? And he's like, well, I just, just kind of like came. I'm like, did you even bring a bag? You know, that's the life of Micah. Man, for most of us, most of us, when we wake up in the morning, if you look in the mirror and you see your hair is just like, pfft, how crazy would it be for you just to turn around and do nothing about it? Now, for an 11-year-old, it's not that crazy. 
But for somebody going into work, somebody going into college, somebody going into school, somebody going in for that interview, that'd be absurd. I'm not going to do that. Why? I'm going to look in the mirror. I'm going to discover what needs to be done. And then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to apply the knowledge that I've just received from that mirror. This is what James is saying. He's saying how many people look into the word of God. God speaks into your life about something and you go, no, I'll be fine. No, I'll be fine. No, I'm all right. No, I don't need to, I don't need to apply anything. This is what James is saying. Hey, listen, God says that you need to apply what you've learned. What does that mean? Well, there's so many truths about it. We're not going to take time this morning to, to look into everything. But if God speaks into your life about a specific thing, hey, I want you to, you know, I want you to uh, treat your spouse better. You know what I should start attempting to do? Treating my spouse better. Well, I'm just, it's just simply applying a small truth that God has given me. This is what Jesus is saying. Hey, b- listen, if you hear these words, you can build on them. But you can't just build on them by hearing them. You've got to build on them by, by applying them. If I don't do that, you know what it is? It's imprudent. It's really, it's idiotic. It would be ignorant for me to know of a difference that could be made, but not make it. It's only when we are applying his word or implementing his word into our life that we are living by his word or building upon his words. So when I'm hearing his word and when I'm applying his word, you know what I'll be doing? I'll be living by his word. I'll be building my life upon his word. Really, it's that simple. Hearing his word and applying it into my life. And when I do that, you know what happens? Jesus says that you will find security in his words. If I hear his words and I apply his words, Jesus says, I'll bring security into your life. Notice the last part of the verses. It's the longer portion. Jesus said, hey, uh, if you hear these and do them, I'm going to compare you. I'm going to liken you uh, unto a wise man. What that, what that wise man do? He built his house upon a rock. What is that talking about? Building your house, building your life on a solid foundation. And the storms are going to come. And you know what? That house, that life is going to stand. There's security. There's stability. But then he says, but everyone that doeth not, he, hear it. you may hear them, but not apply it. I'm going to compare you to a foolish man. Well, Jesus, why would you say that? Because you know, you heard, but you didn't apply. And so I'm going to compare you to a foolish man that did what? That didn't build his house upon a rock. No, he built his house upon the shifting sands. May I say he perhaps built his house upon the shifting sands of culture. Maybe he built his house upon the shifting sands of his job or her job. Built his house upon the shifting sands of education. Now, are those things bad? No, but I shouldn't be building on them. No, I shouldn't allow those words to be the words that I, find, that I have foundation in. No, his words provide, provide foundation. And Jesus said, when you live by his word, when you build your life upon his word, he's going to liken you to a wise man that built upon a proper foundation. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 1911. He said, moreover, by them, the word of God, is thy servant warned. And notice what he says, in keeping of them. That phrase, keeping of them, would be the same as applying them. In applying them, there is great reward. 
Man, this is the voice of God. Listen, this is the voice of the creator just simply saying, if you will build your life upon my word, I will bring great rewards, security and stability into your life. It's not a great reward of like financial gain. Oh, don't listen to that group out there that says, listen, if you follow Jesus, he'll give you everything you ever need. If you follow or everything you ever want. You know, if you follow Jesus, he'll give you that new Camaro. If you follow Jesus, he's gonna give you that 5,000 square foot house. If you follow Jesus, he'll give you a nanny to come along with it and clean and a maid. And you know, that's the prosperity gospel. Like if you follow Jesus, nothing will go wrong. Let me just tell you, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you follow me, you're still gonna have trials. You're still gonna have hardships. You're still going to have struggles. But I promise you that internally, you will have stability. You will have security. You will have joy. You will have peace. You will have that patience that comes. You will have a mind that says, you know what? I I know who I can trust today. Even though I can't trust today, I know who I can trust who owns today. And that's what Jesus is saying. Just simply build your life upon his words. You say, why is that? Why, Why could I build my life upon his word? I just want to tell you that his word literally speaks into every facet of life. Did you know that this morning? The word of Jesus literally addresses every area of life. Specifically, Jesus in this passage, he's talking about the words he has just taught. Let me tell you very quickly some of the things Jesus covers in the Sermon on the Mount. He speaks about finding real joy and happiness, how you can truly be happy. We'll look at that next week. He speaks about emptiness of religion. He spoke about real prayer and talking with God. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus spoke about finances. He spoke about marriage. He spoke about judging others, being offended, serving others, all sorts of sins. He spoke about priorities, and he spoke about finding the presence of God. All just encompassed in just three simple chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. In those words, Jesus spoke about all of those facets of life. No wonder, he says, hey, if you'll build upon these, you'll be built upon a foundation. But I want to tell you this morning that I believe that we can hear and apply all of his words, not just the Sermon on the Mount. You and I should want to build upon the entire word of God. Well, why? What does the entire word of God speak into? Let me tell you this morning, the word of God speaks to raising children. It speaks to marriage relationships. It speaks to business dealings and work ethic. It speaks to financial stewardship and use of time. The word of God speaks to dealing with depression, dealing with temptations, learning to forgive people, working with bitterness or through bitterness. Uh, It helps you with anxiety. The word of God covers all of those things. His word, it's alive. And the Bible says it discerns our hearts. And his word, it can give you patience and comfort and hope because it is perfect, sure, right, and pure. His word can bring cleansing into my life. It can give me direction and show me the path to take. His word can protect me from being offended at people. His word gives me true success and real prosperity. His word uh, can give you understanding in misunderstood situations. Listen, the fact Back to the matter and what I just want us to see today is his word literally can help every aspect of your life. And Jesus said that when we live by his words, we find security and stability for this turbulent life. Listen, we are in a turbulent life. We're in a turbulent year. I said it a few weeks ago that 2020 just like threw up all over us. Man, I, I, we went out a couple weeks for the, you know, 
If you don't know, every year in September, we do into the city outreach as a church. We really just try to be out in the community and, and just letting our community know, hey, we love Moses Lake. And so we get out and we do a ton of different things. We do a pancake breakfast. We deliver uh, um, uh, donuts and, and um, coffee to all the bus workers. I mean, there's a number of things that we do. This year is all different. And so the one thing we were counting on the one thing was like, hey, let's show our community we love them by just going out and putting invitations on doors, just blitzing and letting people know, hey, you can come to Community Sunday. The very first week that we were going to do that was last week. You know what rolled in last week? The smoke. Carlos texted me and he's like, hey, pastor, do we go out? And I was like, well, you can't breathe outside. It was the day that it was really, really bad. And so we were like, all right, I guess we're going to not do that. And for a week, we weren't able to do it because of that smoke and people's health and different things, just trying to be safe. You know, I hit a point this last week. I was like, forget it. Let's just go out. And that first night, we had 19, 20 people show up. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's do this. But you know what? Even that smoke rolling in, you know what I thought when that happened? This year is stupid. <laughs> I'm just being transparent with you. That's exactly what I thought when I saw the smoke. I was like, I literally can't wait for New Year's Eve. But I thought the same thing last year. 2019 was rough. I'm like, if 2020, I is this just going to keep progressing? Can I just tell you this morning, if it does keep progressing, God says that if you build upon him, you'll have stability and security no matter what takes place. But it only comes when I hear his word and apply his word. Why is that? Because his word speaks about everything. But let me tell you this morning, the most important thing that his word speaks about is his word. It tells of the relationship that we can have with God through Jesus Christ. You see, it is, it is in his word that we find God wants to forgive man and have a relationship with every single person. And I tell you today that there are different religions out there and religion tells you if you do enough, God will approve of you. Religion says if you fulfill X, Y, and Z, God will accept you. That's what religion says. My friend, can I tell you that's not what God says. God says, and this is the hard part, God says you can never do enough to find acceptance with me. God says you can never be enough to have a restored relationship with me. But that's why God sent his son, Jesus Christ. Because over 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus showed up on the scene. He was God's son. He was perfect. He never committed a sin. He never had a bad thought. He never spoke or uttered a, a bad word. Jesus never dealt with bitterness or anxiety or depression that would lead to sin. Jesus never dealt with any of that. Jesus was 100% God, yet 100% perfect man. The Bible says that he did no sin, neither was any guile found in his mouth, not even a bad thought. And yet that same Jesus, after his 33 years of living a perfect life and ministering to people and healing disease and sickness and uh, raising the dead and performing amazing miracles, after those 33 years, Jesus Christ went to a cross and he allowed the Roman government because of the Jews to put him on a cross and Jesus there, he died. 
But did you know that his death was different than any other death? Because it was at his death that this perfect son of God died in your place and my place. And the Bible says in the book of Corinthians that he literally became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, Jesus came, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross so that you could have forgiveness, so that I could have forgiveness. Do you know where we read about that? In his word. It speaks about the forgiveness that you can have. But it doesn't stop by saying Jesus died on the cross for you, so have a good day. No, it says Jesus was crucified, he was buried, and then three days later, a miraculous thing took place. He rose again from the dead. Why did he do that? He did that to prove to you that he is God, to prove to you that his words could be trusted, to prove to you that when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me, he wanted to raise from the dead to prove to you that that was truth. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he gave us this simple truth, that if you will believe in him, put your faith and trust in him, in his death, burial, and resurrection, you'll have a restored relationship with God. You see, we can't have access to God because of us. There's no pastor that can give you entrance into God's presence. There's no baptistry that could give you entrance into God's presence. There's no church that's gonna give you audience with God. There's no individual that you go and confess your sins to that's going to bring you into the presence of God. No, the scripture says that Jesus, he is the only one. He is the word, the mediator, He stands between God and man. Jesus stands to give you access to God. What do you and I have to do? Certainly there's something. Can I pay? Can I do? No. The Bible simply says that we just make a decision to confess with our mouth that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and that we confess to him that we're putting our faith and our trust in him alone. It's called salvation. It's called asking Jesus into your life. And I want to tell you this morning that if you're here and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you think you're going to heaven because you've been a good person or you got baptized or go to church, the only thing that can give you access to God, the only thing that gives you and I entrance into heaven is if we've put our faith and our trust in him and him alone, asking Jesus to forgive us of our sin and to come into our life. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you've never made that decision, today needs to be the day where you say, God, I believe your word that you wanna have a relationship with me. And so I'm, God, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin to come into my life and save me. You see, that's why we need to be saved is because we're all sinners, every single one of us. I've told the illustration plenty of times, but you don't have to teach a child to sin. I never set my kids down and said, okay, now here's how you lie to dad. They just kind of like knew. That was all of us. We all are sinners separated from God and we need restoration. We need forgiveness, but we'll never have it unless we ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of that sin to come into our life and to save us. All of that, it's in the word of God. You know what? If you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin and be your savior, you have eternal security and stability. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus, his words in Matthew were, is if you, if you build your life upon my word, you're going to have security. You're going to have stability. Well, that begins at the very decision of asking Jesus into your life for salvation. 
two thoughts I wanna bring to you today and I'm done. The first is this. If you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your savior, you don't know you're going to heaven, I wanna encourage you today to make the decision to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin and be your savior. Maybe you for years have thought you're going to heaven because you're a good person. My friend, I'm not trying to be critical or mean into your life. I wanna speak truth. That will never get you to heaven. That's the words of Jesus. Don't rely upon, well, my family was a Christian. Well, I've always been Christian. Well, I go to church. Well, I've been baptized. Well, I, if there's any other answer other than I've asked Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sin and be my savior, it's the wrong answer. How dare you say, that's not me saying it. This is the word of God. And he said, if you'll receive me, I'll give you life, secure life, eternal life, forgiveness, restoration. So today, the first thought is if you're here and you've never trusted Christ as Savior, I want to encourage you today, would you make the decision? Say, how do I do that? It's simple. You just pray and ask him to forgive you of your sins and come into your life. It's that. If you are here and you you know Christ is your Savior, you're watching, you know Jesus is in your life, I want to ask you, what are you building your life upon? Oh, you you know you're saved, you know you're going to heaven, but maybe you've been letting culture speak into you. You've been letting politics speak into you. Maybe you've even just let religion speak into your life. Today, will you make the decision, God, I want to hear your voice and I want to apply your words because I want security. I want stability in this life. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.